I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Yes or no, did you ever take banned substances to enhance your cycling performance? Yes. I had no prior knowledge of the planned assault on Nancy Kerrigan. I am deeply sorry for my irresponsible and selfish behavior I engaged in. Hey everybody, welcome back to Oops the Podcast. I'm Julio. I'm joined by Francis. Francis, how you doing, pal? Good, good, brother. How are you? Good. Dude, I gotta be honest. And it's amazing. I don't know what's different about this specific one. And sorry, sorry to stop, start the episode off like this, but that shooting in the grocery store really fucked me up. And mm. granted, all these shootings suck and are fucked up. But like, I, I have to ask you this question. Like, what would you do if somebody who was very close to you, an A-level person in your life, that's how they died? How do you live with that? Oh, It's so fucked up, man. Yeah. How do you live with that? Um, again, I'm sorry that this is such no, a heavy I, 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 I don't know the answer. I I'm, feel for the families of those people so hard. Yeah. Because they're just buying fucking Greek yogurt, dude. Yeah. You're buying Faya and you're getting clipped. You don't dude, even think about it. It's terrible, man. You don't go to the, you don't associate a grocery store or a movie theater. You know? Or any of the, or school with a, you know, a place of violence where you have to have your guard up. I know. And it's just some like, angry angsty teen who needed therapy i don't know what the hell i don't i know nothing about the person who did this i'm just talking about like the profile of the kind of person who typically is doing this Mm -hmm. sort of thing um and maybe i should have read should be reading more about this whatever but like it always seems like something that could have just so easily been avoided and it's so tragic yeah you know like why i i I don't know though because they just seem kind of random that's what i'm saying it's just like so fucking so how do you random. avoid how do you prevent something that's totally random i don't uh, all right i see what you're saying but like it i mean from the sense of like it didn't have to happen it just doesn't need to happen like that you know just like go punch a wall like do some like i i get that it's not that simple whatever but like yeah and it's, this is the most obvious argument in the entire world but why do these why are these crazy people have access to these automatic weapons you know yeah. it's just like it, it's mind-blowing it's like cliche to even fucking say at this point because you feel like there's no point in even saying it because nothing's going to change. Okay, so let me ask you this. Yeah. Let's say, I, I'm, I'm not saying you even want one, but mm-hmm. let's say that you did want to buy uh, an automatic weapon mm-hmm. or a semi-automatic weapon. Mm-hmm. Do you think that you should be allowed to buy one? Not, not Me not, personally? Yeah, like are you somebody who would be safe enough to sell a gun to uh, no like i don't know i don't think so to be honest like i don't see myself ever fucking using it you know what i mean but like dude you know we're people we're like people aren't don't have it all figured out dude we clearly are all fucked up in some way yeah you know like is anybody like certainly you know i guess these like trained military people whatever of course there's people who can handle having guns and stuff but i would say in general there's a reason why these things are so fucking dangerous because we're all nuts. Yeah. You know, people are fucking nuts. I, I, <laughs> I agree. I agree like, with that. I don't think that I deserve to be sold a gun. Yeah. I don't think I'm a viable candidate. And the fucked up part is that I would have no problem buying, buying a gun. Like pe- people, it would be very easy, I think, for me to buy a I gun. I think so too, maybe. Nobody would, you know, you flag the, here, the fact that I've, you know seen the therapist and or or i I don't i don't mean to like denigrate that or anything or say that people who see therapists shouldn't be able to buy guns i'm just saying there are parts of my brain that have malfunctioned at times which in my mind should remove me from the list of eligible gun owners and yet that would never come up right no one would know and i would be able to buy one no problem Dude, yeah, no, you make an interesting point. It's like, oh, that, that, this would be a great app. An app that sort of like went through all these intangible things that should disqualify you. Yeah. Like, like have you been to rehab? Have you sent 48 text messages in a row to your ex girlfriend? At 2 like, have right. you, you know, how long was the last message that you sent to your ex girlfriend? <laughs> no, you can't buy a gun. You know, like, you're right. If you started doing that, very few people would qualify. Have you, you know? ever, have you ever looked out the window of your house just by? 
poking the blind slightly open <laughs> to see what was happening on the street. You know, things like that. There's a lot of that. Yes, I agree. There are a lot of things that should flag somebody. <laughs> totally, man. So I don't know. Whatever. Uh, you know, our our thoughts go out to families of those people. Yeah, you know, hopefully of course. somehow this this will stop happening. Yeah. Well, well it's a it's award season. Which I would actually argue is the only time of year where I'm actually interested in movies still. Okay. Um, All right. Really quick. Yeah. We got Mank, Nomadland, Something Woman, or Promising Young Woman. Promising Young Woman, uh, Sound of Metal, The Father, The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Judas and the Black which Messiah, which I really like. Haven't finished it. I started watching it yesterday. Oh, that's mm, um, <laughs> uh, We're missing two. Chris is pulling them up. Yeah. Um, okay. The two that we are missing are Trial of the Chicago 7 and, oh, that was and really Minari. Good. Yeah. Trial of the Chicago 7. I haven't seen a lot of them, man. I'm they- halfway through. I'm getting through it. For me so far, I really liked Sound, uh, Sound of Metal was heart shattering. I thought it was really good. I don't need that in my I, life Dude, right I know. Now. I know. I feel you on that. Um, and Promising Young Woman was crazy. And I, I liked them both. Um, okay but i haven't seen and i saw mank i didn't really like chicago seven was it's it's a little homeworky this year yeah, yeah i, I have that to, to say uh, you know sometimes it's more than more years than others but this year it's a lot of homework to get through if you're trying to watch the best picture nominees and i don't know buddy i got enough non-homework entertainment to to get through that i don't know that i need to take on i understand you know one for them or whatever i totally get it man i'm also reading a really really boring book right now (laughs) so what's the process at that point are are you ever and i think we talked about this briefly but is there ever a moment where you're just like I don't need to finish this. I'm not going to sunk cost fallacy. We've talked about yeah, it. I've, yeah. I've come too far to, to get put down the book and you, you're like, I'm going to f- power through. Yeah. And because you know, sometimes the book turns you like you'll get halfway through yeah. and you're like, Oh, I actually like this. It's picked up a little bit. And I've also allowed myself to skim through some of the, it's the, the book I'm reading is, I think it's called the great bridge, David McCullough about the building of the Brooklyn bridge. And it's oh, 500 yes. pages. Jesus. And each yeah. page, I mean, small font, footnotes you know they're they're, it's so technical in the engineering descriptions uh you know page after page after page of how thick the steel cables were and where they're sourcing (laughs) the steel from and you know i'm I'm really interested in reading about like how many guys died building you know digging the caissons which are the foundations into the riverbed or just like buried into the river deep underwater and they're in compressed air chambers and nobody understands have we talked about this? No. Nobody knows what the bends is at this moment oh my in history. God, really? And all these guys are being being afflicted by it because, you know, they they go down there, they work all day, and then they come up into the decompression chamber and they don't allow themselves enough time to <laughs> to let the nitrogen which builds up in your blood um come out through your lungs that's how normally when you're like scuba diving interesting you ascend to the surface very slowly to let the nitrogen uh sort of i think evaporate and then go into your lungs as a gas which you then expel out of your lungs instead if you come up too quickly the bubbles of nitrogen come out of your blood and it it fucks you up so this is what the bends is that's what the bends i just know all all i know about the bends is that if when you come up too quick the bends happen yes don't know specifically and you get you get poisoned basically by by your blood and uh they used to call it caisson sickness because of the how it happened to all these bridge builders but you said decompression so they they knew that they had to decompress though well there were these two very discerning doctors it it was almost as a result of the building of the brooklyn bridge that that they learned about the bends wow and And these physicians these two guys i can't remember one of them but the other one of them who had a lot done a lot of work and was very discerning about it was walter reed who was a brooklyn doctor at the time now you know he became one of the most well-known and prominent physicians in the world uh and now they've named the military hospital for him in washington dc where the presidents go but also my brother-in-law works as a surgeon um i did not know that and uh yeah it's it's uh it's an insane thing. These guys are down there shoveling and digging into the, the riverbed to sink the caisson Crazy. lower and lower until they get to bedrock 
so that the bridge can rest on a heavy foundation. And well, this like, sounds pretty fucking interesting. Well, this part is. This part is, you know, but the it's so technical a lot for for, you know, 10-page stretches that you just yeah. Yeah. You're like, I'm not trying to build my own bridge. <laughs> I don't need to know this. When was it built? Like in 1800? 1870, 1870 to like 1877. Got it. Just about. Um, it only took, dude, it blows my mind what crazy. man can build. It's Dude, at that point in time, <laughs> it's beyond belief. It's that crazy, they did bro. This. They didn't even have electricity yet. It's crazy. Um, it's yeah. Crazy. They were using steam-powered equipment. Dude steel is crazy like yeah. all, the fact i was on the brooklyn bridge like two days ago sitting in traffic and i looked over hillary i was like it's insane that this isn't just shattering right now and falling well i think that they have you know over the many years now they have repaired and strengthened and modernized a lot of the components of the bridge um i don't know that for sure yet because i still have 100 pages to go but they're always working it has on it, to be. they're always working my whole yeah. life oh they're always fucking the bridge I take the tunnel, but you got to pay $8 yeah. for the fucking, you know, yeah. whatever. But, but uh, there are themes from this book that resonate today. One of which is that so many people doubted this, right? The, the bridge construction? The bridge, meaning they, they, they shit on it. They were like, it's never going to work. It's too dangerous. Uh, you know, the people building it are corrupt. They're taking money mm -hmm. from the city. They're taking money and giving out contracts for themselves to their own companies so they'll get kickbacks. Classic. And it's like, you know, newspapers are piling on and all of this. And, you know, the, the head engineer, uh, Washington Roebling, whose father actually designed the bridge and then died, so his son took over the building of it, um, wow. is the most kind of, at least according to this book, you know, the most righteous guy. He was... A soldier at Gettysburg, you know, I think he was part of like Pickett's charge. He Jesus. was like on the hill. Jesus. And then, you know, finished, low chance of survival. Yeah, finished the war and then became this brilliant engineer and finished the bridge, got case on sickness himself because he was going down into the really? bottom to make sure everything was square, got super, super sick, was bedridden for years, Jesus. but would, would had such a brilliant mind that he could dictate notes to his wife to then send to the team of engineers and being like, yo, you need to do this today. You need to do this. And, and he got a, he got a street. Eventually, exactly. <laughs> and so did his wife, Emily really? Roebling. Yeah. She, there's a street for her in Brooklyn Heights. That's and they had a house in Brooklyn Heights and he got a telescope and he would look out the window at the bridge and make calls about what to do. From That's there. fucking yeah, nuts, dude. dude. It's, it's cool. look, I say the book, I'm not recommending this book. <laughs> I promise you I'm not recommending this book unless you are such a devourer of history and, and like bridge technicalities that you, you want to read it. Having said that, if you read this book, every time you cross the Brooklyn Bridge or look at it, you will have a profound sense of accomplishment of man. Yeah, don't read. It's only the most interesting book of all time. Don't read it. <laughs> Uh, it's the most interesting thing I've ever heard. I'm no, giving I'm mixed messages. You. You're right. You're no, right. dude, I, I completely get what you're saying. You are giving us the interesting parts, but then you're like, you know, when you weather down the steam and the yeah. beams and the steel, no, dude, he, 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 he goes on, he'll be, he'll be like, you know, for this, 16 feet of steel cable was needed. And the, the rivulets were screwed into the planking using Bessemer steel. From there, the drills were dropped. You know, and yeah, they, it's like, it's, it's, he's reading you the instructions <laughs> of how to build a bridge. And you're like, God almighty, dude. Tell me about people dying. I don't care about this. <laughs> Boss Tweed yeah. was part of this. He was one of the original investors. Buried in Greenwood Cemetery. Yeah. We got to move on because I'm sure a lot of our no, listeners this is good. Don't, this is good stuff. don't listen to us for this kind of thing. Well, dude, did you did you see that one of the other nominated films in the documentary category? You may have mentioned this months ago to me, but I finally just watched it. But my octopus teacher. Oh my god, I've watched it twice, dude. It's so crazy. Like, I turn it on when I'm down. I cried at the end. Okay. Even though my girlfriend was like, "This guy's a fucking weirdo. He wants to bang this he octopus." Definitely <laughs> fetishizes the octopus a little She's bit. She's like, "This is weird." It made me wonder, dude. Do you think his wife is a fucking jealous? She's like, oh, you're going to see Ursula again? Every day? Yeah. yeah. Like, he goes every day. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. What a crazy person, dude. But he's also so smart. 
He's so smart. And it just shows you, man, if you're creative and a little eccentric and willing to like do the same thing over and over again, you can really do something interesting. Like the only thing that sets that guy apart from other videographers is that he's willing to go in the ocean every single day. Yeah. I mean that. And (laughs) also the fact that he can handle being, you know, shirtless and wetsuitless in 50 degree water for (laughs) hours at a time. And he can hold his breath for like two two minutes, two to three minute stretches Is on the ocean floor. It was. It has to be. I couldn't believe, I didn't even realize at first that he wasn't using an air tank. Is no. he not using an air no, tank? No, he's snorkeling, That's dude. That's crazy, dude. Yo, that is really hard. Go into a pool the next time that you are in a pool. <laughs> dude, I can't hold my breath for fucking See 20 seconds. See how long you can hold it for. Yeah. And, and then try to imagine what it would be like if you were, you know, in a kelp forest in the dark. With sharks everywhere. Surrounded by sharks. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's a savage. I mean, it is one of the most incredible, it's so interesting movies I've ever seen. Um, yeah, it's the really intimacy between the octopus and the human, and incredible. what he discovers that science had not yet. I know. Wait, like the horns thing? Like I've never heard of that. He like, added, you gotta watch this movie. It's really he cool. Added chapters to textbooks, basically. Yeah. He expanded what we knew. What other stuff? Like I was, it was unclear to me what discoveries. You he know, made. I think I think up to that point, people didn't know how smart octopi were, right? And um, that they basically have the same intelligence as, as a dog, as a yellow right. lab, and him him watching them play and them and watching it morph oh, and playing all this, with the fish, all yeah, of this stuff. Nuts. I mean, the way it hunts and the way it disguises itself. It, it, you know, it's truly remarkable. It is totally one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. It's really cool. Um. Yeah, on Netflix. Netflix. One other quick recommendation: if people have a way of finding this, I don't know how available it is. There's a short film uh, called Two Distant Strangers." It was written by Trayvon Free oh, and yeah. another guy. Do you know Trayvon Free? Like, not like friend, friend of a friend. Yeah. So our, we have the same manager, and my manager sent me a copy of it, and it's unbelievable how good this. I think the star of the the short film is Joey Badass. Oh, the rapper whose music yeah. I actually really like yeah he's good he's good devastated is one of his songs that i really like i'm so i feel devastated yeah (laughs) um it's it's really good it's about it's basically groundhog's day with police brutality so a black guy keeps waking up after getting shot every day by the same cop and then reliving the same day trying to escape it he can't get away from the cycle it's very cool symbolic and prescient and of the times and, and really powerful so dude in the past i don't know if they still do this but uh, they'll do a thing where you can go to the movies and see all the nominated shorts at the same time hmm. that's a cool thing that I, i'm cool. assuming that that is something that's nominated for stuff it's been nominated Sounds for like... oscar best short film yeah wow very yeah. cool good for yeah. them, dude Dude, a lot of comic even the lucas brothers like wrote the story for judas and the black messiah what yeah if you see the script, yeah, no, it's it's a story by Keith and Kenny Lucas. What does that mean? But so, story by, I like, I guess you wrote the you wrote the story, and then the screenwriters make it into a screenplay or something. I, I don't know specifically, wow. but they're pals. They're they're around the comedy scene too. So yeah, those it's guys cool are to see comedy people crushing it. Yeah, Jermaine Fowler is like the lead in Coming to America too. Basically, really, he plays Eddie Murphy's son. I didn't watch it. Yeah, I haven't watched it yet either, but. I mean, good for the comedy world. Yep. That, and it also, dude, it makes me feel happy to see these guys doing these, getting the sort of agency to do these creative projects. Yeah. Because, you know, there's more to our trajectory than stand-up. You mm-hmm. know, we don't have, like, there's so many cool things that we could do if, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah. If and when we're, the industry allows us to. So true. <laughs> so, dude, we're rocking our pit viper frames, some of our favorite shades. There's something about these sunglasses that give you an edge. The second I put mine on, I'm ready to win money. <laughs> I almost feel like the second I put them on, I'm about to show up to somebody's beach party, and everyone's afraid that I'm going to bang their girlfriends. Yeah, and they're gonna they're <laughs> they're gonna give you coke and not ask for money. And they're gonna be like, "Oh, look, it's Julio." And I'm like, "Oh, you thought that was funny?" Huh? Good one, dude. <laughs> Give me your girlfriends. Yeah, it's actually a hard G, and I'm gonna be a hard G in your girlfriend. <laughs> You're banging chicks, busting beaver. I love it. These are great shades. They're really cool. They're really like futuristic looking. I feel like I can just like surf through outer space rocking them. 
Um, their UV protection, all the works. Yeah. Um, go get a pair of Pit Vipers. That's right. Go to pitviper.biz forward slash oops. You will have a discount applied at checkout. Get them today. They're polarized. They're awesome. They're perfect for this summer. Pitviper.biz forward slash oops. I got a great DM for us that Love I am, am very excited to share with you. Um, okay. This is from Ben. Here's my date story from last night in Chicago. So a girl comes over last night for a few hours and we play some board games. Really didn't hit it off, but it was fine. I said goodbye in the lobby. Her car is missing when she gets out there. So she texts me 20 minutes later, where is her car? I get out of bed and go out there and it is missing. It is at the impound. It was towed. She sleeps on my couch. We go in the morning to the pound. Uber goes to the wrong place. We walk the rest in the rain. We get there. I now find out the car is in her ex-boyfriend's name and we can't get it back. So now we have to find a trucker in Virginia to sign and notarize a letter for her to get the car out. Still raining. Eventually got the signature needed and faxed it over while I missed a full day of work. We made it back to the impound. I paid the fee because they only accepted cash. She got the car. I had no reason to stay invested, but was in an awkward be involved, don't be involved place. Um, Sorry. Yeah. Be involved middle ground the entire day. I will not be seeing her again, will not be texting her, and surely will not be getting that $175 back. Jesus. Pretty rough. As as you would say, hate to say it. You know, you do (laughs) hate to see that. It's strange to me that they don't want to see each other again. I would agree. That that type of scenario typically brings people closer together. Bonds you. It bonds you. It's so weird. I would have thought, the two of them, like that's in you almost can't ignore the universe totally. magnetically pushing you together, yeah. right? I mean, it's as if you're like, your mom. we don't like each other, and the universe is like, eh, try again, try again, pal. Try for a whole fucking day, <laughs> owe each other money, actually be burdened <laughs> to see each other again. It's really funny, dude. Be- we're forcing you to think hard about this. It's true. It's like one of those things where. You know, I hate to say, I hate to say to be crass, but like I, I, I almost feel like they have to try having sex with each other. I agree with that because it could be that the sex is so insane for them that they're like, yeah, we were dead wrong. Dude, you know, totally. we were dead wrong. Am I? You agree with that? Absolutely. And there's so many funny opportunities to like have chuckles during that sex too. Like, yeah, yeah noted. You're gonna notarize this dick. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, is there anything I can do to avoid the hundred and seventy-five dollar yeah. fee that I owe you, sir? It's my only car, dude. What a crazy, shitty day. Yeah. But you know, I've said this before. I've said it like I think I said it on the my travel project. But it's like those terrible experiences. I was talking about it from a travel perspective, but from dating too. Like those terrible experiences are like this good stories you then later have. Yeah. There's a way to look at that in a positive light. And to your point. It's a great foundation for romance. I know. I know. How bizarre. And But here's the problem, right? It should, a story like that should be currency for him in the broader dating pool. If it doesn't work out with this girl, obviously oh, yeah. it doesn't. It should oh, yeah. be something that he can put in his resume or on his dating app, which alerts women to, yo, this is a really good guy. Yeah. He yeah. let her sleep on his couch. You know, he paid the fee. He spent the entire day with her, skipped work. I Dude, mean, how totally. much farther do you have to go? I know. To, to prove yourself. And yet, you know, it's not something that like women are going to learn about him. Absolutely. I mean, listen, man, this one, even if it didn't work out this time, you're building towards greatness. With you, this story. you believe in karma for this guy? Sure. Yeah. You know? Like, why the yeah. hell not? Yeah. You know? Dude, I love that. I know, I know. I want to set him up. I hope people really hear that story and then are like, yo, I'm hot. Can you set me up with Ben? And then I'll hit Ben up. Be like, yo, dude, this chick says she's hot. You know, what do you think? 
Be like, Dude, Francis good enough. the matchmaker. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that's beautiful. It'd be fun if we set some people up on this podcast. Nice. Yeah. Guys, if you're thinking about starting a podcast, fill in the blanks here. If I were in a concert right now and I said, if you're thinking about starting a podcast, I'd then turn the microphone to all of you sitting in the stadium and you would all yell, Anchor, Anchor. And then you'd say, go to anchor.fm to download the software where you could host your very own podcast, see all the best analytics. You could see it in a way that was really user-friendly and nice and not too technical and industry jargony. It's a way that any person can look at it and be like, ooh, that's pretty. And also it's our podcast. And you, there's no minimum listenership required to advertise and monetize. So you can immediately have ads when you hit the ground running. It's really exciting, really spectacular. If you want to start your very own podcast, anchor.fm, download it now. Dude, we, so we, we've been getting a lot of good messages from people. I got a good one as well Yeah, um, that we can read here. Good. Um, okay. Hey, guys. Big fan. All right. So this is, yeah, I think you're going to love this. Um, wanted to get your guys' opinion on this topic. My girlfriend has nice long hair at a decent length. And every time she says she's going to cut it herself, she jokes about cutting it extremely short, like a man's haircut, which I'm very opposed to. She says, ultimately, it would be her decision regardless of how I felt about it, even though she would likely never cut it short. But this led me to think about the bigger question of how much, say, should each person have in a relationship on the other person's potential potential significant appearance change? Mm -hmm. If she threatens to cut her hair very short, should I be able to shave my head, get a lip piercing, neck tattoo, gain 100 pounds, parentheses, Fat Francis, without giving her a chance to approve it? This is great. This is a very this good This is so good. Yeah. So good. Lots to unpack here. Yeah. All right. Because once you've been dating someone long enough, you are, your image becomes intertwined. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? You present yourselves together. Right. She brings you to a work function. You bring her to meet your parents. All of these things become... You know, you know, you're a reflection of her choices and she's a reflection of your choices. Yeah. And if all of a sudden the night before that work function, you went out and got a neck tattoo, you're fucking her over. <laughs> you're fucking her over. That's you know interesting. I mean? That's a, that was not where my brain went initially, but it's a very good point. And you become a unit. Yeah. You're, you are a shared tandem postcard. Right. You are, you know what I mean? You're, yeah. you're a brand together in yes. a way. Yes. Um, and I think you do need to run major structural changes by each other before you commit to them. Yeah. It's worth doing because at the end of the day though, you know what I mean? Like it's a tit for tat kind of thing. And if you make some crazy rogue decision, like it's going to negatively impact things potentially. Like yeah. maybe your partner isn't going to want to have sex with you anymore mm-hmm. and that's shitty. And then that could lead to you wanting to break up. Like right. these sort of things, unfortunately, you know, they like you can do whatever you want, but I don't have to want to fuck you anymore. Yes. You know? And that goes both ways. So if you want to do something crazy, that's fine. I can't say don't, but that will have consequences. Yeah. yeah. Now having said that, I'm all for that. Like if my girlfriend wanted to do some new crazy thing, I'd be down. I love the variety. I love the change. I think it's fun, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And that could, you know, so I'm not trying to act like I'm some backward person, but right, just right. Th- there are risks associated with actions that you take. I you agree. Know? And I, I, I think that, you know, women who can pull off short hair are super sexy. Agreed. My mind goes to Carrie Mulligan for some reason. Interesting. I think she's so gorgeous. Does she have short hair? She has had. I don't, I in- only remember her from promising a woman now. Uh okay yeah I was thinking Drive with Ryan oh, Gosling wow. she had pretty short hair I forgot that she was in that um I'm pretty sure dude Audrey Tattoo our girl from Amelie oh the little fucking cute little yep. short yeah that's not really like a guy haircut but dude I'm I'm into chicks with the guy haircut I'm into chicks with shaved heads Natalie Portman in I, V for Vendetta you know um bring Demi it on more in GI Jane bring it on yeah for sure yeah you know? for sure. Uh, okay. But back to the original question, you know, I will say that my company line, whenever my girlfriend does anything is like, you're, you look great. You're beautiful. And she gets mad at me for not being more forthcoming with my feedback. 
Do you know what I mean? Interesting. So she's like, like if I she want gets her hair colored a different way or wears a new thing and asks me, I'm basically just giving her positive feedback right. every time. And she wants your actual. Whereas she gives me like tells me when she doesn't like something. Right. 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 And then I'm like, I sometimes I get annoyed. I thought that you meant she wants to hear honest feedback. From she you. does. And yet she knows, she knows that I'm I, my, my, I think it's cause my dad was this way. It was just a complete support, you know, singular level of like feedback. Right. Always glowing, always, always praise. Positive. Always right. You look amazing. You look stunning. And I, and, and I think men get that right. Because I hate to get weird, like, you know, you hear about when women get pregnant, right? And they put on weight. Uh, men are always like, you look so amazing. You look beautiful. You want women to feel sexy all the time. Right. And and, and so whether it's pregnancy or a new hair thing, I mean, wh- why is it any different? I'm just always right. going to deliver good news to you. That's my whole point. Right. And there's nothing, dude, there's nothing like taboo about what you just said. I mean, going through a pregnancy is a traumatizing crazy thing and like we don't have to do it right so like the least you can do is be supportive and like sincere and and be like you're still fucking hot as shit you yeah know what I mean? and- can you imagine can you imagine if like your your girlfriend were, got pregnant and put on a bunch of weight and then she was like do you think i look fat and your answer was like do you want me to be honest <laughs> fucking scorched earth absolutely yeah. not you're toast yeah yeah you're toast, so sir. uh I think we're just I don't know. I'm I'm trained to to just not even think about it. Let me ask you this. Being comedians and I think that there's this interesting thing where the comedians who I know who've never done anything but comedy tend to be like so sensitive that it's almost unreasonable. And I think, you know, some of that naturally rubs off even like on a, I feel like I have a little bit of a background. I worked a normal job not for very long. But like I have that and I like to think that it makes me a little bit more rounded than some comedians, whatever, but still like I can be sensitive and I find that my girlfriend and maybe it sounds like yours potentially who both like have these corporate roles, whatever. It's almost like you learn how to take feedback in a better way. Like sometimes I find her being like less sensitive and more straightforward, wanting to actually hear what I think when I think that I have to, I have to like protect her, Mm -hmm. but it's me just projecting. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I agree with that. I agree with that. I think uh, something there. normal people have a much thicker skin. And, and there's, it's a great fallacy that comedians somehow have thick skin. They don't. They don't. Hey, gee, that's a pretty cool shirt. Where'd you get that? You like this? Dude, I'm telling you, these don't half-ass anything, guys. They make really cool merch. Sure do. I'm actually really impressed because you, typically when you have a sort of quote-unquote conglomerate, unless you're like a Fortune 500 company, it's hard to do everything well. Yep. What do they say? Master master of none? Yeah. Jack of all trades, Jack master of, all of none. Tra- yes. But our pals over at Don't Have Fast Anything, they do. They they truly don't have fast anything. Yeah. And, and they, they've got a big announcement, which we've also teased a few times. They, the two founders of the company are about to take a summit bid at Half Dome. They're going to climb Half Dome in Yosemite. They've been training for it. They put out a bunch of videos. You can see those over at don'thaveassanything.com. Also on their Instagram, don't have at don't have ass anything. And it's super cool. We really support these guys. We're inspired by these guys. They have a great sort of ethos and way of life. Everything about them speaks to us, especially Julio, who's a major national park aficionado. That's right. Um, we I've love never these. been to Yosemite. No. Which I'm a little embarrassed to admit. Yeah. I feel like that's one that like everyone's been to. So I gotta get I gotta step it up. We should go meet those guys out there. That would be fun, man. It'd be really fun. Do a little adventure. Yeah. Um I wonder if they're gonna take that fucking life-sized ass shot glass up to the top with them yeah they probably (laughs) i'm certain they will that's my challenge to those guys you better be bringing the the ass plate with you yeah if you don't you're not really about that life victory butt shot (laughs) uh go to don'thaveassanything.com use promo code oops 15 and you'll get 15 percent off their merch they have cool hats they also have the ass plate it's one of the best novelty items that i've ever seen and it lines up perfectly with their brand and with our brand we have a lot of fun with it um this t-shirt's sick t-shirts are sick everything they've got hoodies in there. everything you might want so go check it out so go to don't half ass anything.com and use promo code oops 15 and you'll get 15 percent off their merch dude i They're posted crazy people. i posted that thing on instagram right the 
the long fake apology like i was about to cancel myself with old (laughs) jokes and shane gillis um wrote as a comment you forgot one which is very funny he's referring to the blog i wrote about that got me fired right (laughs) super funny and then he he texted me afterwards and he was like yo uh sorry about that comment and i was like what he's like yeah i took it down i was like why and he's like i just didn't want you to think i was a jerk and i was like dude are you hanging out with the most sensitive fucking comedians ever literally because in what world would that offend me yeah no totally and the problem is yeah a lot of comedians are fucking very very sensitive all this stuff with like um there's a there's a comedy uh blogger Named Seth Simons, I think is his name. Oh, right? Yeah, uh, I don't know, but he's the guy who's like going after the stand, right? Seth Simon or Seth Simons. Yeah, and he writes these pieces that are, you know, sort of point out bad jokes that comedians have said or troublesome, controversial, racial, whatever, all that stuff. And every single time that he does this, all these comedians get furious. <laughs> And like post it and they're like, fuck this guy. It's like, yo, ignore it. Right, right. Why add fuel to the flames? This guy's not writing for the New York Times. Right. Just let it be and nobody's going to see it. All you're doing is bringing more eyeballs to this. Totally. Am I wrong? Dude, you're right. And this is a perfect situation of like, do as the rappers do. You know what I mean? A rapper would never say shit back. They don't give a fuck. Okay. <laughs> Agreed. It. I disagree a little bit. Okay. Rap beefs are some of the most sensitive skin things I've ever fucking seen in my life. Okay, fair. But it's not like some if some random person writes a bad review or if haters comment on their shit or people, they never respond. Or if people are like, like no one's, like no rappers are taking like COVID stuff seriously. And And to your point, because they never like respond to anything, people stop starting shit with them. Yeah. You yeah. Know? You look at Drake. Now, you get He's to the point where sensitive. you own. <laughs> I was going to say, I find that Drake is so above it all. Man, we've disagreed little, on everything. He's a little petty. When you, it's okay. Fair enough. Does, is Drake super sensitive? Does he come back at everybody? He's a little petty, relatively speaking. Compared to some of he'll, he'll respond to things. So many people dump on Drake. So many people take shots at him, and it's simply because he's so successful. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not even close. It's incredible. He's the most successful guy in music. Yeah. Just about, right? Bless his heart. More than Bieber, more than yeah, he's Chris is right. It's literally not. Dude, his private plane is a passenger jet that he converted. When you get to that level, you're on a different world. Yeah, it's a different world. But dude, but it to to what like all this conversation, like I have noticed there are times where people will try to pick fights with say Travis Scott or whoever, like some big rapper, and they just straight up don't even respond or care or acknowledge it. And it's incredible how powerful not giving something a forum can be. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Know. And the com- per read the comedy stuff, I don't know if that applies. Well, I, I got I got something to share with you which is kind of interesting. Um there was a tweet that someone tweeted that went very, very viral a couple of days ago. Some guy that had, you know, 3,000 followers on Twitter. And he said, uh, he goes, I think comedians who didn't go to college are funnier. There is nothing funny at all about Harvard University. <laughs> right? And then he, and then he added a, that, it got like 160,000 likes and, tens of thousands of retweets it was super viral and the only reason i saw it was because everybody tagged me in it <laughs> everybody just wrote at francis Ellis, at francis Ellis, at francis Ellis. and it's like all right you know does this bother me no because first of all i i would say so many of my favorite comedians went to college mm-hmm. and not only that but if you want to talk about harvard alone conan J uh BJ Novak from the office, Ryan, right? Mm-hmm. Um Mike Shore went to uh the guy who created Parks and Rec and The Good Place. Um who else? There's so many uh, uh Rashida Jones went to Harvard. 
Um, there's so many profoundly successful comedians, hysterical people that went there. Uh, the guy who created the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, um, Andy Borowitz, is his mm-hmm. name. They're, the list is crazy. And and then if you just want to move on to the Ivy League in general, like Mindy Kaling, uh, you know uh, Ellie Kemper, all these people. There's so many successful Ivy League comedians, right? Right. But I was it was a slow internet day, and so I it was coming down to the wire, and I had to get my second blog out for Bro Bible. So I wrote a blog about this tweet. And I titled it "Brain Dead Moron Says uh, Harvard Comedians Aren't Funny" or something like that. <laughs> you know, because a little clickbait, little little blogging uh, one hundred and one. You got to give it a little bit of a spicy title just to get people <laughs> to fucking read it, right? But it was kind of a throwaway blog. Like I didn't really have much stock in it, and I did. I said exactly what I just said. I was like, you know, plenty of really funny people went to this, these schools and all that. The guy, uh saw the blog and then wrote like fired off like 15 tweets oh nice being like who the fuck is this guy francis (laughs) you know he put in his profile like quote brain dead moron end quote and then attributed (laughs) it to me and my twitter handle and then um he you know dude you're good at getting in these little squabbles man but but you know what did you have fun no but (laughs) i deserved it deserved what i deserved this one what happened so here's what happened (laughs) so you know he he like linked to the blog and then that you know i didn't i didn't end up reading and he was like lmao and like showed a a screenshot of the blog and that had like a hundred comments under it but i didn't read any of those because i knew they were just going to be right things that were negative about me and i don't i don't want i don't want to deal with that totally so then I DM'd him and I just wrote, <laughs> I, I just wrote, I like you. That was a funny tweet. Um, because I wanted to make it clear, like, I don't, I don't actually dislike this guy. The Harvard line didn't bother me. And I, I, I felt a little bit like an asshole for the blog I wrote because it wasn't clear. You know, I was trying to play up being the indignant Harvard douchebag grad who, can't take any shit about you know what i mean like the winklevoss kind of dude you're you're really good at at (laughs) like sending that out as as a sort of unclear message i know and i'm not (laughs) because it's funnier if people don't know that i don't care uh wait what do you mean if if people think that i actually really care and get angry and want to be known as a harvard grad and and get offended if anyone takes a shit right, my, shits on Harvard. I'm saying people don't realize that you are doing it like satirically. I know that. It's crazy. I know, but uh, that's not necessarily a good thing. <laughs> it's not necessarily a good thing. It's right. not necessarily a good thing that people don't know that I, I am being kind of like making fun of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, even though, ironically, a week before this whole tweet fucking battle erupted, I had tweeted um, the following tiktok tiktokers uh you know show me you went to harvard without telling me you went to harvard and then me uh uh can i just tell you that's how i've always done it right 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 that was right so it's a very like that's that's playing the guy that's playing the harvard guy like i get the joke so i send this to this guy i was like i like you that was a funny tweet and then he messages me back and he was like uh lol thanks and uh and I was like, uh, sorry, I called you a brain dead moron. I didn't mean that. I just, uh, I needed to get some clicks on the blog. And uh, he goes, I had a feeling, you know, that, that there was some I like satire this in that. Situation. So I, I thought we both saw totally eye to eye, right? But as this was happening, he then adds me to a group chat on Twitter oh boy. with 15 of his Twitter friends. Oh boy. Now, these are all like probably. 19 to 23 year old guys tiktok era people yes who have their own language and their own sense of humor and i think he thought he was gonna throw me into this like trap where here comes this you know guy who doesn't get it he's very sensitive about harvard all of this (laughs) and dude these guys start fucking with me and they probably don't know that one, I don't give a shit. And two, I'm aware that they're fucking with me. Yes. So one after another, 
they wrote Francis, 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 Francis. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Francis, Francis. Just all 16 of them just writing my name. And I wrote back like, what's up, guys? You know? <laughs> and then someone took a video of himself and he goes, Francis, like that. And I'm like, all right, you know? And then they start like making jokes, being like, you know, the Harvard admissions committee They're I hear they're letting anybody in now these days. <laughs> and I'm like, ha ha, you know, whatever. And then, and then someone else is like, yeah, but you know, I'm sure they take people's circumstances into account and all that. And I just wrote back, fuck Harvard. And then they were like, oh, they like didn't know what to say. I mean, I just took the wind out of their sails. Right, right, you know right. what I mean? Like I, I, I was like, dude, I don't give a fuck about any of this. <laughs> and I wouldn't take the bait. And they kicked me out of the group chat. <laughs> oh, that's great. Like, oh, we, they were trying to rile you I up. think they were like trying to have fun with me. And I was like, I'm not going to let this happen. I know what's going on here. I'm not stupid, you know? Yeah. But let me tell you something. This new generation of social media people is a menace. Mm. They yeah. are a menace. First of all, a buddy of mine who's like a big, young Twitter user told me, I was like, dude, first the guy who wrote the Harvard tweet, he's mm -hmm. got like, he, he's only this, at least on this account, he's only put up like 50 tweets or something. Wait, which guy? The guy who, the guy who wrote the original viral Harvard tweet. That's your buddy now? No, no, not my buddy. Oh, we, but the guy oh, I was okay, going back and forth buddy, with. Got right? it, got it, got it. No, I have another friend, another okay. buddy who is a 22 year old Twitter user who's very good at like going viral on Twitter uh -huh. um, with these weird offbeat jokes yeah, that yeah. I'm like, how the fuck is this getting yeah. 120,000 retweets right i don't i don't i don't get it mm. right and they live in that world of people not getting it they like that they mm. like throwing shit up that's for them mm -hmm. but i was like i was like i asked this guy this buddy of mine i was like how are these fucking tweets getting such crazy numbers and he goes dude all these twitter users are in group chats on their phone they uh... schedule tweets and then everyone ask everyone them. to retweet them and if you get 16 twitter users all of whom have over a hundred thousand tweets to retweet your one tweet that tweet is going to get it's going to go Huge. viral right and so a lot of times i notice the tweet it's like not that they're not that good all the time no they're not good it's like pretty straightforward they're they'll, all be, in they'll be all right but they're, like yeah dude, they're all in cahoots interesting because dude that joke honestly th what that joke should be or not even joke but that statement should be it's like there's nothing funny about success. That's true. As a general point, that point is true. People don't want to hear how great you are. That's not funny, right? The, the way he said it is wrong. And like, there are funny things about success, but typically failure is funnier than success, right? Yes. We can all agree with that. That's true. But then below the Harvard, like that's not as good of a point as he could have made with that. Yeah, but dude, this is what I'm saying. The very fact that we are trying to diagnose this realistically <laughs> means that we are out of touch. Yeah, I guess. Maybe. Right? The, I think it's this weird meta, um, you know, the, the less the, that the less people understand it, the, the funnier it is. Right, right, right. And it, it seems wasteful to me. Like, what a, what a waste of fucking time. <laughs> well, dude, the, they didn't they famously kind of manipulate the ticket sales at the trump rally that was great that was the, hilarious that was k-pop fans oh that's even crazy they, Maybe, it was they like were the, the k-pop yeah. community wasn't it though I, like the, they were all fans of Kore korean pop but it was it was a tiktok trend yeah. so i don't mind stuff like that that's great i mean that's like a hilarious social experiment yeah i guess that's true by the way the harvard lampoon was exactly the same way they used to do the harvard lampoon is the literary magazine that produced conan o'brien and it was you know meant to be humorous um but a lot of the stuff was just so bizarre and so just for them that that only they would get it right, right. and i think the, it, there was a there was definitely like a superiority to that yeah which was like if you don't get it it's it's right, probably right, not right. for you and you're like shut the, shut the fuck, fuck up, up dude yeah funny's not... funny like be accessible yeah you know yeah, what dude, i mean uh, definitely there's a it's really easy especially in comedy and i i experienced this i honestly feel like it's a thing when you've been doing comedy five or six years you start to think that like comedy that no one understands is funny. <laughs> you know yes. I mean? It's yes. like a phase you go through in comedy. You laugh like, at people oh. bombing. You right. laugh You're at like, people oh, bombing. That was brilliant. It's like, yeah. was it brilliant? I don't know. Dude, I know. This, this reminds me of something that I wanted to ask you. 
that I think is pretty interesting. In your life, and because you're a comedian, people probably say this to you all the time, and I was curious if, if this has ever been accurate. Someone will say to you, I feel like you'd appreciate this. Has that ever been then true in your life? I feel like you'd appreciate it. Have you ever actually appreciated it? Dude, you say that to me all the time. No, I don't. You say that on the podcast. And I then do? I often do appreciate what you're telling me. Okay, fine. Non-comedy people. I feel oh, like you'd appreciate oh, this. Oh, I see what you mean. You're I a comedian. You I feel like you'd appreciate this. So people who, yeah, right. No, that's wrong. <laughs> it's It's one step below... Yo, I I think I have a joke for you. Right, or you can use this in you your act. You can use this in your act. I get that a lot, and I'm like... Tuh. It's like you just wanted to tell me this awful story, and yeah. you thought you tricked me into giving you your my attention. Dude, I get emails from people with like, like lists this. of jokes that they think they've worked out for me. Jesus. And let me tell you, I appreciate that you are following me, and you feel engaged enough to to contribute this, but... It is not easy to write a joke for someone else to tell. True. You know, unless you're it's like part of what hired. stand up is, bro. It's like you <laughs> yeah. tell personalized jokes. That's what makes them different. Yeah. You're telling a joke through your POV. It and, is hard. To and not only that, but if someone, even if someone did write a joke that was so funny, I wouldn't want to use it because I would feel unoriginal for having taken that and it wasn't my own. Do you know what I mean? I'd feel like yeah. I was plagiarizing it. Yeah. Or secondhand. I was just, I don't know. So, Secondhand comedy, dude. Yeah. All right. What else you got? Let's do one more email. Okay. Real quickly before we go, this was a pretty funny email that I thought you guys would appreciate. Let's check this out. Julian Francis, new listener to the pod. Naturally, I've been binge listening for the past week. Love you. Thank you. Um, I came across an episode where Julio mentioned that he counts sheep jumping over a fence to go to sleep. Oh, yeah. Chris, what? what's up? You do it now? It does help. It does help. Now that I'm a nursing student, as well as getting older, I have a hard time decompressing from the stresses of the day and going to sleep quickly. When I, hear, when I heard Julio's method, I decided to give it a try. It worked great, except for the fact that when the sheep come over the fence, I see a cartoon sheep body with Julio's face on it. No matter how hard I concentrate, I can't make the sheep have a regular face. It's so disturbing to me, yet oddly knocks me out after a few Julio sheep jump the fence. Yeah. In conclusion, I now fall asleep very quickly, yet extremely weirded out. Thank you wow. for that. Lovely. Yeah, good for you. I don't know. I just I think embrace it. Let it be the Jeep. The G sheep. <laughs> Let it be a jeep little bow jeep little <laughs> yeah. Dude, that's great man uh thank you for sharing that's hilarious yeah. that is oops the podcast we love you all um let us know what's going on you know hit us up give us updates we're almost done with this covid era hopefully so good times ahead of us hopefully um follow us at oops the podcast oops the podcast at gmail.com i am at not julio he is at francis cc ellis goodbye